صفا Hello, dear listeners. This is Katya from Safa Talents. In March, I visited Israel to find out more about the diversity of the Israeli society and its people. Now I'm very happy and grateful to introduce this new podcast series as a result of my various talks with great people. Talents, women and men who raise their voices and seize the potential to work for a better society and peace. It was an emotional journey for me. There obviously is no such thing as a neutral position. Going deeper and deeper, my journey reinforced a simple truth. The importance of listening to each other openly, learning and respecting different perspectives and connecting. In the first episode, I interviewed the Palestinian-Israeli feminist and political activist Mason Chaljuli. Let's start off with some of her most important messages. I'm a Palestinian and I'm an Israeli. I myself wonder why you don't have this courage to say the truth. If this law were built in a European country, I think that the whole world was protesting against it. I have an Israeli citizenship, but I belong to the Palestinian people. There is no real tension from the Israeli establishment to engage us into the Israeli society. Unfortunately, about a third of the women who are killed in Israel every year are Arab women. In Israel, the police is not a civic service. The police is a security service. We need the help of the police, of the government, in order to try also to prevent domestic violence. 30,000 women in Tel Aviv, Jewish and Arab, protesting against violence against women was the engagement between all women in the society. I'm not religious, but Al-Aqsa Mosque is very important for me as a Palestinian. It's one of my national symbols. We will be again in an election period. It's really unstable. For me, it's a very dangerous period. A lot of people don't have the hope, especially in the Palestinian side and the Israeli side. My country is fighting my own people. We should play more rule in order to be the bridges between our people and our country. I described a lot of fears and told you how much the situation is uncomfortable, but I think that change can... You're still optimistic. I'm still optimistic, yes. Israeli and Palestinians can do it, really. I really believe. I'm very optimistic. I visited Maysam in her office in Taibe. In this region of Arab towns, Maysam is the chairwoman of Namad Women's Organization. For many years, Maysam has been fighting successfully to promote women entering the labor market and the political sphere. She initiated and is part of many grassroots organizations fighting against domestic violence and to secure equal rights for women. Maysam is also part of Standing Together, a movement fostering Jewish-Arab cooperation and leading joint political and social campaigns. In the interview, she openly talks about the painful struggles within the Israeli-Palestinian society. I admire her positive, contagious energy to continue fighting for a better society for all. But hear for yourself in the following interview with Maysam Jaljuli. We are in Taiba. We are in a town, an Arabic Palestinian Israeli town, in the center of Israel called Taiba. 
It is a really a major Arabic city in Israel. It's about uh, 45,000 people live in this town. About, you know, uh, 45 minutes from Tel Aviv, 30 kilometers from Tel Aviv. So it is in the center of Israel. But it's really some kind of periphery in the center of Israel because it is a Palestinian-Israeli town. So there is a lot of differences between Arab towns and Jewish towns around us. And it's have the structure of an Arab town, so... I was coming here by bus and I realized how difficult it is to get here. I had to change two times uh, and it's only 45 minutes from Tel Aviv, which is crazy. Yes, it's I mean, crazy it's a, and this is the part, it's, it's a part of our situation here as Palestinians, Israelis. And it's the neglection of the Israel infrastructure in, in our towns and villages is the neglection of us as citizens of this country. And yes, you can see it in public transportation, you can see it in the situation of the, the streets. You yeah. saw that the streets in an awful situation. And you can see it also in how the city looks. With your own eyes, you can see that it is really neglected the places here inside of Israel. Within the fact that we are in the center of Israel, we are not the periphery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not somewhere in the north. Or no, on the south, yeah. yes. Yeah. I wanted to add something that we are also very close to the green line, to the borders True. between Israel and the occupied territories, the Palestinian Authority. Actually, about less than a kilometer from here, we can reach Tulkarim and we can reach other villages in the uh, Palestinian side. So we are also located on the green line. And is there a wall right now in the north here? Or how, is it accessible for you from here? It's accessible by, when you go to the checkpoints. Yes, there is yeah. a wall, there is a, but there are checkpoints that we can actually enter to Tulkarim and other villages. And we do it often. A lot of people go to Tulkarim, to Nablus. They really buy their stuff from there and Knafe. also and, and so Everything <laughs> they, they buy from Nablus and Tolkarim because yeah. it's also cheaper than Israel. I've been to Nablus, it's a beautiful old town. Yeah, the old it's, town is very beautiful in Nablus, yes. Yeah. It's about half an hour from here. Yeah. Nablus, yeah. yes. Wow. Um, so yeah, we, we're sitting here in your office. Naamat. Naamat. Mm -hmm. uh, can you describe a little bit the mission of Naamat? Okay, so Naamat is the biggest woman organization in Israel. It's an NGO that tries to promote women in Israel, Arab and Jewish women. And it's very connected to the Histadrut, to the labor union in Israel. We are part of the labor union in Israel. And actually, when Naamat was established, it was established to help women engage in the labor market. But, you know, uh, we, all, we changed upon the time, and now Naamat became a feminist organization. It works very hard in advocacy, also in promoting women in politics, in the labor market, in the family. So we have wide range of activities in order to help women in Israel, Jewish and Arab women. So you are a mixed staff? Naamad, yes, it's a mixed organization, Jewish and Arab women, but we have 
28 offices of Naamat in whole Israel. In my office, I'm, I'm responsible for only Arab women. So it's regional. I'm, it's regional, uh-huh. yes. It's mm-hmm. regional. My region includes six Arab mm-hmm. towns and villages. And my position is an elected position. Actually, uh-huh. every five years, the members of the Histadrut, the labor union, elect their candidates. And I was elected three times. Wow. I'm 15 <laughs> years in this position. We have an election next month, but I'm... That's it. I'm finishing. This is my last term, yes. Ah, okay. It will be finished in one month. Ah, okay. Yes, after okay. 15 years. Wow, that's exciting. We will come back to that okay. in the future. Uh, let's stay a little bit in the present. There are many things right now going on in Israel and the Palestinian territories, and for the Arabs, especially in Israel. So what's right now occupying your mind? What yeah, engages you? Oh, You know, this last week was a very hard week. It was a lot of tension. And don't forget, it is Ramadan, it was Pesach, and also it's the Easter right now. And, uh, you know, instead of celebrating these you know, beautiful occasions, religious occasions, we had a very tense week. I'm very worried about what will come out of us here, because... All the time, I think that things are becoming more and more dangerous, are becoming more and more extreme. And we see in the Al-Aqsa Mosque that the status quo that was held for a lot of years is collapsing right now. And it's very hard for me to see the Israeli police and the Israeli soldiers entering inside Al-Aqsa Mosque. I'm not religious, but Al-Aqsa Mosque is very important for me as a Palestinian. It's my national symbols. It's not a religious symbol for me. And just to explain to our listeners, so it was always the arrangement that Israeli police or military is not is not entering is not entering the Al Aqsa Mosque. Yeah. But yeah. in the recent years, especially during the Netanyahu period as prime minister, he let the extremist right enter Al Aqsa Mosque, and a lot of these extremist right wing in Israel are trying to have prayers in Al Aqsa Mosque, and also they are all the time talks about their vision of building the temple instead of Laksa Mosque. Because that they claim that the temple is still beneath the mosque. Yes, they, they call it the Temple position. Mount and they believe that they should demolish Al-Aqsa Mosque in order to rebuild mm-hmm. the historical temple. And for every Palestinian, not only every Muslim, for every Palestinian, that means that the Palestinian case will be ended if such a thing happened. And this provocacy of this right-wing uh, extremist is really playing a role to get this place on fire. Because when you feel threatened from these people, so our young people or the Palestinian people try to, to push back and then they throw stones and you know the police enters Al-Aqsa and who knows what will happen. So yes, it, it makes me feel very afraid of the future. And also we had a lot of hopes of the government of change. And I thought that, you know, things might be different. Especially um, that now Arab MPs are in the Knesset, like they are in the coalition part. Yes, of we have a party which is called Ram, the Islamic part movement. It's part of the Islamic movement. They are a part of the coalition. They are part of the government. And the declaration at first were that we are progressing the Arab society, the Palestinian society. We are going to be a different government 
from the government of Netanyahu, we will stop the incitement against Arabs and Palestinians. But actually, when you see it in the, the ground, you see that nothing has been changed. And still, a lot of extreme people, right-wing extreme people inside the government are trying to influence, and they are influencing the government. From the outside, you only see violence. The Palestinians try to protect their last remains, like the Al-Aqsa Moshe, so they throw stones, and the military fights back and, and shoots at people. So that's visible. But behind the scenes, are there also people talking with each other, or is it just the violence that we see? It's, it's not only, you know, this is the picture that you can see in the media, but the larger picture is more complicated and very hard, because inside the Palestinian territories, the, the occupied territories, we can see the settlers that are really ruling the, the, the yeah, territories. Yeah, I was not talking about Yes, that. in daily base, they yeah. kill Palestinian people, and they are trying to steal the remaining land of Palestinians, and in the same side also, the army is all the time killing Palestinians, but nobody hears about it. Mm-hmm. Only last month, about 30 Palestinians were killed by the army. And from the other side, we saw the, the terrorist attacks inside Israel. It was really a very hard month, because on the other side, you saw Palestinian people who wanted to revenge, and they came inside Israel, they killed innocent people. It's not accepted also, so... We are in kind of chaos that everybody thinks that the law or the justice in his side and he tries to, uh, to change the discourse of the, of the things. But I think most of the people, Palestinian people and Israeli people, are people who really want to live in peace. People who want things to be quiet. They, they, want, you know, they, they, they want the future of their children. They want bright future for their children. But with still, you know, the silence majority. And while these extremists are really ruling our lives here, we should be the alternative. We should have another alternative. And this is something that it's very hard to build right now, really very hard on both sides, because every side have their own claims about how much the other side is the bad side and how much we are the victims and how much. I think that we should do something else. It's time to do something else. It's time to... Because I, I really believe that a lot of changes must come from the field, from, from the, the grassroots. From the grassroots. Mm. And we, we should not wait for the, you know, for the leaders to do change because they failed all the time. Yeah. So it's time for us to believe that we can do the change, that we can be more involved of convincing our leaders to do the change. Mm. And I think, you know, historically... Here in Israel, things had happened. You know, if I think about the Israeli side, I can think about the Lebanon war, the first Lebanon war. Actually, the grassroots, the demonstration inside Israel, the marks inside Israel, really were the reason to end this war after the massacre, actually. And also, I think that the grassroots of the four mothers' organization also was the reason that the army actually withdrew from Lebanon. Yeah. So changes can happen, yes. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, that's not only in Israel, but of course in Israel the situation is much more fragile, that everywhere you just see the extremists. Because they somehow are on the media. Yeah. And they, they take the space, and the majority of people who are not supporting the extremist positions, they are not seen or not heard. Yes. That's why I'm asking, people I meet, they all want peace. 
I think that the politicians here inside Israel, they, they are part of the problem because, mm. you know, they all the time, they, they think that the Israeli society is a right-wing society. So they try to adapt themselves to this right because they want them to vote for them in the next election. So even sometimes, you know, leaders that, that you think that they are center or left leaders come up with declaration, such an extremist declaration that you tell yourself, oh, where did this come from? Sometimes, you know, I believe that a lot of politicians are not working from their hearts, they are working more from their minds or, you know, working from their strategic men that advise them. And this is our problem here because I don't think that politicians are telling the Israeli people the truth about the situation. And the only people who tell the truth are the former elected Shabak employees or chief. A lot of former Shabak chiefs that finished their uh, duty, now they came and said... What do you mean by Shabak chief? The Shabak is the security intelligence of Israel. Yeah. And when they finished their jobs, they suddenly uh, recognized that all of what they done was wrong. But nobody listens to them, actually. You said in an interview, because you just mentioned it, and I wanted to dig a little bit deeper here, I have the desire to fit in the Israeli society as a proud Palestinian, but the force that pushes me back is enormous. Yeah. What are these forces? Um, Look, I see myself... As a part of this state, I'm part of Israel, I'm citizens of, a citizen of Israel, and I think most of the Palestinian Israeli citizens believe, like me, that we really want to engage the Israeli society. We really want to be a part of the Israeli society. It's not only because of uh, we want jobs and we want you know, to earn, no, because we really feel that the Nakba was happened, we stayed here and we become citizens. You know, the history, I cannot return the history and do things different, but I really want to be a part and of 20%. Yeah. We are not a little minority, we are 20% of the population of Israel. From the first day, we were partners building this country, we worked, we actually were the people who really built this country as workers, as building workers, in agriculture, and so and so. But the problem here in Israel, the establishment, I mean, the governments of Israel, from the beginning of Israel till now, this establishment sees us not as citizens, but as the enemy. These are the forces that push you back, Mm -hmm. because when you try to engage the Israeli society, you all the time feel that you are a stranger. They don't want you to be a part of building this place. They also don't want you to be a part of building bridges with the Palestinian people. And all the time they look at you as a security danger that sometime will be against the country. And we see it when they, we have uh, security tensions, when we have events like this event that we had last week. We all the time see this army, you know, also reporters in the news, that we should look what will happen in the Arab villages. The, the, the real danger for Israel is not what happened in the Palestinian territories, it's what's happening in the Arab cities and villages. And only last year, on May, 
We had this demonstration also against what happened in Al-Aqsa and the war in Gaza, and they treat us like enemies. They didn't understand that we have feeling, that we really want to express our feelings about the war and what's happening in Al-Aqsa Mosque, and the police really wanted to stop this, this demonstration with force. There was a lot of force and a lot also of Jewish extremist people entered into the mixed cities, the cities which Arabs and Jews living together, entered the mixed cities in order to set the cities on fire again. So mm-hmm. it was very hard, it's very hard feeling, especially also when you listen to the news or when you read articles in the newspaper that claim that we are the real dangers. Me and my children and my grandchildren in the future will be the danger for Israeli citizens. What makes me, you know, optimistic is that even this, you know, discriminated law, we have an Arab party in the government, in the Israeli government. Yes, it's not changing a lot till now, but I think that this is a good answer for yeah. the incitement. It's a start. And, and yes, it's a good answer that even though you want us to be in the shadow and in the corner, we refuse to be in the corner. We will be a part of the change. I think the symbolic mm. thing about it is the most important thing, you know, the, the symbolic move toward influence. Yeah, and you are represented in the most important yeah. We are represented in the Knesset, you know. We, we yeah. all these years were represented in the Knesset, but it's mm. different to be a part of the coalition yeah, or a part of, of the opposition. Yep. When you are in the opposition, you know, you cannot influence as you want. Okay, you mm. can, you know, talk and scream and... Uh, <laughs> But you can't really have that influence. I think this is an experiment right now. And sometimes when they ask me, I feel that, okay, now I'm sitting, like I'm watching such a telenovela. (laughs) (laughs) Just, there is no love inside. (laughs) I, in my feeling, want a success for this experiment. Because success means that people will be more optimistic about their future and also means that people will really get the vote out in the future and the numbers of voting will increase because they felt a sense of hope. It makes sense to vote, but the failure of this experiment will be tragic consequences, will be a disaster because I think people that will lose hope and the numbers of voting will really decrease. And this is a danger for the democracy. Because when 20% of the country feels that the democracy is a false democracy, because democracy is not about elections. Democracy is about really doing things in a democratic way. But election, but if 20% of the people feel that there is no sense of getting the vote out, Israel being a democratic state, will have to ask themselves a lot of questions. Let's, yeah, and we stay on the political yeah. scene, but change a little bit because you studied criminology and sociology mm-hmm. at the Ba'ilan University, and you were part of the founders of the Arab Students' Union, so that was where you... In my university. In your yes. university. Yes. Was that the start of your political engagement? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I have a sense of... Uh, I cannot call it political engagement, but uh, an engagement to seek the change, the change for the better. 
I had this sense, this political sense of justice, of quality, since I was a little girl. I grew up in a home that it was very important for our parents to give us these values of quality, values of justice. And I grew up with this sense. I, I also read a lot about history back at home when I was in the school. I grew up in Tira. Ah, okay. It's, uh, it's very close to Taibi here. So when I you know, started studying at the university, the first thing that I noticed that there is no Arab student union in the university. And that uh, the university actually doesn't provide the Arab students as services. They actually didn't treat them as a unique cultural students that needs also uh, special services. I felt also that in the university that we are also in the corner, you know, that nobody takes care of us. It was obvious for me that the next step will be, you know, to organize ourselves as students and to have our own representatives that will demand from the university to really take care of us because we paid a lot of money to the university and we paid a lot of money also for social services in the university. But we were not counting. Nobody I mean, counted us. How difficult is it for Arabs to enter university? Uh, it all the time have been difficult for Arabs to enter university. I think it's improving in the last decade. More Arab students are really entering the universities. It's not because of a good educational system. The educational system is very bad and we are discriminated against in the educational system. The educational system for the Arabs. For in the Israel. Arabs in Israel, yeah. which is an Israeli education yeah. system. But there is a lot of gaps between the Jewish educational system. Yeah. We learn the same materials. We learn in Arabic, they learn in Hebrew. But budgets, that resources. the resources yeah. and the budgets yeah. for, for Jewish students are much more than the budgets that the government gives for an Arab student. So we have a lot of gaps. I think that the effort have been done by the parents. The parents have a lot of efforts in order to, to give their children an extra education that costs a lot of money and that helped more and more students to enter the universities. Mm -hmm. And also in the last few years, there were an, an initiatives that the government helped with the help of the NGOs, of civil society, in order to help Arab students in their first year in the university. And it improved this itself, because as an Arab student, if you have the help, if you have a mentoring in your first year, you will, you know, uh, probably face the challenges in a more smooth way. So there were efforts. And I think that the government understood that it should also uh, invest in Arab students. I think also that the reason of this change was uh, that Israel became a member of the OECD. After you know, Israel became a member of the OECD, the reports showed that Israel is really neglecting two minorities, the Arab minority, the Arab-Palestinian minority, and the Haredi minority, the ultra-Orthodox minority. And this report showed that Israel loses a lot of money because these two minorities are not well engaged in the labor market in Israel. And I mean, you have a shortage of talents anyway. So you need to engage those parts of your society who are not working in the same way like most supported class. 
the problem is with the Arab women, only now, only 40% of the Arab women works in the labor market, engaging the labor market, while about 85% of the Jewish women join the labor market. Yes, they are less than men in Israel. We have a problem here, gender equality problem, because the women earns 30% less than men in Israel. The Arab women earn less than the Jewish women. So, you know, gaps between Arab working women and a Jewish working women also can reach 30%. 15 years ago, only 25% of the Arab women were engaged in the labor market. Only 25%. Now we reached 40%. So we have progress. We are as NGO Nabat. We worked a lot to give the tools for this woman to engage the Israeli labor market. What are actually your priorities at Nabat? Let's say, say it like that. I have three major things that I'm working on in Nabat. The one is really helping women, Arab women, to engage the labor market. This is a very important thing. Not only engaging the labor, the labor market, but also to, uh, to raise the awareness of these women about their rights in work and help them to have their, their rights as workers, as women who, who are at work. The second issue that's very important for me is helping women to engage in the political sphere. Helping women to uh, really want to to elected position, to a senior position, a position that's really important for the labor market, important for the society. And the other thing that I'm working on is domestic violence. Domestic violence is a very hurtful issue. A lot should be done also in the community, to raise the awareness in the community, to raise the awareness of women and young women and, you know, and little girls, and also to create structure of gender equality in high schools or in schools at all, to begin to teach for gender equality in early ages, and also to help women who, who faces a domestic violence and unfortunately, the government is not helping also on these issues because we are struggling for many years to convince the government to take actions that can stop violence against women. Wasn't it in 2018 that there was this uh, big protest in yes. Israel against violence? It was a big women? protest in Israel and it was also the first uh, women strike in Israel. Yeah. Women left the workplaces for a few hours and it was a huge success. All women in Israel, Arab and Jewish women, participated in this huge protest. 30,000 women in Tel Aviv, Jewish and Arab, protesting against violence against women. Yes, it was a huge success and it showed us that when we work together, Jewish you and Arab power. women, we have power. And this is, you yeah. know, the unique thing about this protest, that it wasn't an Arab woman who worked alone and Jewish women who worked alone. It was the engagement between all women in the society. Mm. Arab women, Jewish women, secular, religious women. Yes, and also asylum seekers women were with us in this protest. So I really saw it as a role model of how protest should be in Israel. And it was peaceful? It was very peaceful, still very powerful. And it was very powerful. Yes, we closed some streets, so we were... <laughs> so, yeah. but, but did anything, I mean, this was a very important symbol and sign towards the government of unity of the women. But what happened since? Actually, a week after our protest, the prime minister 
Netanyahu, he was Netanyahu, and he really declared that he will do his best in order to seek the budgets and the money for establishing a mechanism of helping women. And they started, really, they started doing things. Then we started the election period, election and after election. And nowadays, this government is working on the issue. And I think, yes, things are happening in a positive way, let's say. It's not enough. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. We still have to protest. We still have to, you know, to remind the government about its duties towards women. But I think that changes right now are happening more fast. And the corona period also just showed us that these problems that we all the time talked about, about domestic violence, it, it was increasing in the corona period because people were stuck at home together and then, you know, the number of, of women complaints because of the violence, it increased 300% mm. from the normal days. There was understanding inside the government that they should do something about it. We talk as women NGOs and the feminist organization. We have, you know, round tables with the government right now in order to figure how to really have a progress in issues of domestic violence. But in this issue of domestic violence, we have also the problem of getting the, the awareness of society, especially in the Arab society in Israel. Unfortunately, about a third of the women who are killed in Israel every year are Arab women. And this hurts me a lot. It hurts because we, we only 20% and half of the women who were killed by their you know, husbands or uh, family members are Arab. We have to do, and we are doing actually, a lot of efforts in our society to raise the awareness on these issues. Our society is a patriarchal society. It's still a society in change. It has its own challenges, but also we need the help of police, of the government, in order to try also to prevent this domestic violence. Unfortunately, a lot of also, I don't know if you're aware about it, but the major problem in the Arab society in the last five years or 10 years, it's the issue of violence in the Arab society. Not only violence, but I can see crime yeah. in the Arab society. I have heard that, well, different ideas about how it came about, but that there are weapons and that there are kind of mafia structures in certain areas, in Arab uh, towns, mm -hmm. and the Israeli police is not doing anything against it. How did that start, or in whose interest is that? So um, this is also another initiative that I'm involved in. I'm right now in an organization of women who lost their children in violence and crime events. And these women really are raising their voice for the first time. These grieved women who lost you know, their children are now leading the struggle against violence and crimes in the Arab society. I'm part of this organization. Actually, I helped to establish this organization. I helped these women, these mothers, to raise their voice. Because I think that there is two reasons for this problem. The, the one reason is the changes that we are facing as an Arab society, that the structural changes that we are having right now from a very patriarchal and ultra-conservative society to more modernized society and mean now conservative structures are falling apart but there is no other structures to place them yeah so it's also a sense it's of security that so gets it's lost somehow. yes it's, it's a, somehow a sense of security and 
In the same time, the government or the police is not helping us because it's some kind of policy that we are not really citizens. We are not equal citizens. We are the enemy. So for the policeman, Maysam is not an equal citizen that a policeman should serve. First of all, I am an enemy. And if he meets me and I speak Arabic, the first thing that he will ask for me is that my ID. Mm-hmm. He wants to be sure that I'm really a citizen. He will not ask this from the Jewish citizens. So that's what you we have a profiling it's, 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 it's a profiling, you know, it's, it's yeah. a racist profiling. Yeah. There is a racist culture mm-hmm. in, in the police establishment. Police need to have a structural change, a huge structural change, as have been done, for example, in North Ireland in order to convince Catholics in Ireland to be a part of the police that all the time were considered, you know, the, the establishment that, you know, were against Catholics in North Ireland. There's actually a lot to learn of. Yes, I've been in a tour in North Ireland and really it was very interesting for mm. me to see that things can be changed, actually. Yeah, that also yeah. structure, you know, historically. And they can be changed suddenly. And can be changed very, very rapidly. Yeah. Really, very yeah. rapidly. And it shows you that Sometimes it's only in our mind that things cannot be changed. Yeah. We have examples all over the world that things were been changing. But in this issue of the police, I want to emphasize that also the police, the current police minister, had admitted that for the police, all these years, for the police, Arab killing themselves, okay, let them kill themselves. Mm-hmm. We will not interfere. We, we will let them kill themselves. We will, you know, interfere if they will kill a Jewish or they will be engaged in in a criminal way with Jewish people. And actually, I think that they closed their eyes and let a lot of illegal women enter inside our society. Fifteen years ago, we didn't have illegal women inside our society, inside our villages and towns. Illegal, you mean asylum seekers? No, illegal weapons. Weapons, guns. But I mean, that's also a threat for the Israeli society. No, till now, till, you know, all these years, these guns were aimed to kill Arabs. They didn't care about it. And you know what? Another thing that also the former reports in Israel showed that a lot of these guns reaches from the army. Mm-hmm. You know, soldiers, soldiers actually... Um, they sell their weapons. They sell them. They sell their weapons, yes. Okay. Yes, a lot of weapons. There is a lot of cooperation between the soldiers and the people who bring this weapon. And suddenly, almost every home, every house in the Arab society has weapon. Mm-hmm. And these weapon were aimed to kill other Arabs. But the most important thing for me is my security, my own security. I want the police, I'm a citizen, and I want the police to really give me a sense of security. I want my children to go out of the home and I don't want to be afraid that they will be shot because somebody wanted to use his weapon. I want them to come back safe. And you don't want to pay protection money and I don't want to be able to open a store. Yes, the problem here, a lot of people, a lot of normative people, because they think that, and they truly think, that the police will not help him. So this is a circle that never ends. And you know what? I have to say something good about this new government. In this issue of violence and crimes, they are having a reaction, really. The struggle that we had last year 
the mother's struggle, also other struggles that have inside the Arab society against violence really worked. And I think also that an Arab party is in the government right now is helping this issue mm-hmm. because one of their main goals was the issue of you know preventing crimes in the Arab society. We have a cooperation with the government and me and the mothers we have met the Ministry of Internal Security, the Ministry of Police. After we had a demonstration near his house so it wasn't <laughs> We demonstrated for a whole month. But it was successful. But it was successful, yes. It was a struggle that succeeded. And I think, yes, that this government is doing better than the other governments. Something mm. that has never been done before. Good. Yeah. You are engaged in so many directions which are all essential for society and progress in this country. Where do you get the energy from? <laughs> People all the time ask me this question. I have no answer, really. It's the sense of that, yes, we need to change this, this society for the better. We need to do something in order to make life easier for the people. We need to work to gain quality and social justice. I think that these values are inside me. And yes, I work every day and want to bring the change. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not, you know, because some people then... Uh, just try to do it on their own, but you are in a system, so you yes, are in a network, so you try to, to put it on a systematic level. I don't believe in an individual work. I don't think that an individual can change the world. If you want to change, you need to have this, as you said, this networking, and you need to be engaged with organizations that work in having the change. I'm very engaged to a lot of civil society organizations and NGO. I'm very proud to be engaged with a lot of civil society organizations and being part, an active part of this civil society organization in order to bring the change. So it gives me a satisfaction that mm. I'm really doing something that can make a change. Beautiful. And do you have time for yourself as well? Yes, I also have a time for myself <laughs> and for my family. I have three uh, kids. I have three children. They are grown up right now. I have uh, two daughters and one son. I'm married and I also do sport. I have time wow. for cycling in the weekend. <laughs> and my last question where we started, because you said this is your last term. So is there anything in the future where you think this is something I want to achieve? I mean, you have achieved so much. Or any wishes for the future? This is my last term in this job. I think. First of all, I really see myself in the civil society. So I might be engaged to another civil society organization. So you stay on the path. I will stay on the path. It's a matter of changing um, from Namat, I think. I don't see myself a part of being a Knesset member. I don't want to be a Knesset member because I think that the changes we are doing here in the grassroots, it's very important. And we also, we are engaged with the government. We give the government advice and we give the government, you know, issues to to work with. And I think in the civic society, we are doing a great job and we are really making changes. So... I'm very satisfied of the work of civic society. I don't want to be in the Knesset. I will continue to do what I'm doing. I think that <laughs> I'm willing to do the things that I am doing right now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, 
you will just maybe shift a little bit the focus from maybe from within to other issues yeah. yes yeah to other issues but the women issue it's part of who i am so it's in your dna yes it's my dna feminist the women issues it's part of who i am even though if i will do anything else i also still that the gender issue will be huge focus in my work yes maybe i should do i sometimes said to myself maybe i should do more to engage israelis with palestinians and we were turned to the first things that we talk about really it's very it's, emotional it's, also it's, yes it's very emotional but, but you cannot see people don't know each other when people yeah they don't have the chance to meet each other they they will have a lot of stereotypes they will have a lot of fears so i think it's also will be important to re-engage the two the two sides together mm. the palestinian and mean Palestinian inside in Israel and Palestinian in the occupied territories. That's this is a also this is a big thing. <laughs> I think that yes, I should also have more efforts in doing that. And yeah, so I'm continuing to do what I'm doing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Katya. Thank you. <laughs> I want to thank my guest and you dear listeners for connecting and letting yourselves into our discussion. You will find some more information about today's guest, all podcasts and many more articles on our website safatalents.org. Please send me some feedback and if you have recommendations and special interests, I'm Katja and I wish you a happy day.